Good morning, everyone. Um, <clears throat> before we do anything else, I want to uh, I want to recognize Memorial Day um, for what it is. And uh, well, there's a lot about God and country and things like that that can mingle, but I believe I believe I believe it's right to honor folks who sacrifice for others because greater love is no man he who lays down his life for his friends, right? And there are men and women who have died for the freedoms and others that we have. And so as you walked in, maybe you saw the setup. Did you see the table with the, well, let me read you the significance of that. And if online, um, you can look up a picture of it or something, but uh, this is our way of honoring as we can. What we saw was a small table set for one. And it symbolizes the isolation of the absent service member. The tablecloth is white, symbolizing the purity of their motives when answering the call of duty. A single red rose reminds us of the life of each of, the, of our fallen comrades. The yellow ribbon is a symbol of our continued determination to remember those who've experienced the agonies of pain, deprivation, and death. There's spilled salt on the table, and that symbolizes the tears of the families of those who sacrificed all. There's a slice of lemon on the plate to remind us the bitter fate endured by those who never returned. The glass is inverted, for they cannot partake with us at this time. The chair is empty because they're no longer with us. Of course, there's a Bible there representing the strength gained through faith to sustain, sustain those lost from our country. And the candle on the table symbolizes the light of hope. So as you leave today, I'm not asking you to be sad or somber, but I'm asking you to maybe take a look at that table and remember, just even in a moment, because that's the right thing to do to honor the sacrifice. Um, so I'm going to let you, let you in. I don't think there's ever been a curtain in this church, but if there were, I would let you look behind it freely, and it's this. Um, Steph, thank you for being brave enough to share that there are times when we felt, Steph shared that she felt uh, unloved or, or isolated from her own church body. And let me tell you something really quickly. Me too, man. Yeah, it, it, right, exactly. We've all, I mean, here's the thing. The most powerful force on the planet is the body of Christ. And so the thing is, Jesus also told us what he said, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So all the powers of the enemy, including your own neuroses or the ways you're bent and your weaknesses, are being used to kill and destroy the kingdom of God moving forward and saving people. And the best way to do it is destroy it from within. I mean, I don't need to tell tales, but there's, there's a couple churches in town not long ago that the enemy almost completely destroyed. And there's a few churches in town that will have closed signs on them. It, it's happening. And you know how it starts, though? It starts with isolation, and it starts from letting those ungodly thoughts, those lies of the enemy come in. You know, even a church like this where we don't have, I don't think we have a class of celebrities or, you know, uh, we don't hail me at all. I don't let you do that, because why would you? You do that, I got to go. Because, dude, if you look, you know what I'm saying? I will not deter from the glory of God. But, and here's the thing. If ever someone's ignoring you, you want to know why? They've probably had a hard week or they're overwhelmed. If I don't, if I don't ever um, acknowledge you, it's because I'm doing two full-time jobs up here. I'm the worship leader and I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to just be the pastor. I happen to be that. So if ever I slight you and ignore you, it's because I also run the slides and I, and I organize the worship team and I usually have two little kids sitting over there. So please don't let the enemy stare at you and understand it's not, all right, I'm doing the best I can, man. Okay, if I ever say something that offends you, please let me know because that's what Jesus says to do. Because here's the thing. Today I'm getting this overwhelming sense. I don't have a message. There's nothing there. Get it? For the first time in a very long time. I don't, I don't know. I think he's done this to me once or twice before, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not upset about it because here's the thing. When we strip it all away, here's what we need. We need God, and then we go home. You get it? 
You add to that, you better start trembling. You take away from that, you better start trembling. And I've got a lot of good ideas I want to teach you today, but you don't need good ideas. You need a move of God. And here's the thing. I love the fact that we're a small enough community. Can I tell you something? We really do love each other. Do you not see that? Like, we have a prayer chat, and like, I don't want to start calling things out, and I don't want to get emotional, but like, I'm really feeling today that people are remembering those they, they lost. I'm, re I'm really feeling today that the upcoming Bruce's surgery, you know, and, oh, man, and I get so mad about it. And, but we hurt together, don't we? And, and, and no one chick was coming home because I saw it on Marty's Facebook. I was like, oh, they might be here Sunday. Cool. And he walked out of that vehicle and he looks good. And, and look, at, look at the excitement. This isn't, we're not making this up. We love these people, you know? And then like the upcoming wedding, maybe a time to get down a little bit. Wondering about Christmas in July, it's gonna be great. But you know what I mean? Like we're doing life together, and isn't that the actual model? Isn't that the actual model? It is. And everybody says, why is the church so powerless nowadays? And because we chose smoke machines and we chose performances over intimacy. Get it? Because that's easy. Can I tell you something? I've done this up here for more years than I want to tell you. This is easy. Having you see me and see my imperfections, I'm still not good at that. But where does God move? He moves in the power of unity, doesn't he? That's where he moves, man. And God is calling his children out of that. Right, Bruce? I'm quoting you. There is a move of God going on, and I can't speak to other countries, but I can tell you in, the North, in North America, where God is calling out the stuff that looks like worship and the stuff that is worship, and he's separating the two. Do you understand that? And ain't nobody coming at you because here's the thing. <laughs> If you want to know if you're really worshiping, are you worshiping authentically? That's all you need to know. That's it. Or are you doing it very well aware of the people around you? Well, check your heart. That's all. Nobody's coming at you. Get it? I was going to talk about suffering. I was going to talk about suffering today. I was going to say something along the lines, something I heard today. Yeah, we've had sickness in our house for two weeks. And for most of you, that's okay. Like, and I'm not, One thing I got to work on is it, it kills me when my kids are hurt. Like I'm sitting in the dentist's place and I'm trying not to give off that vibe that the Hulk gives before he turns into the Hulk. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean it. And I know I'm sweating. I know I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm wearing red. It should be okay. And you do this thing, right? So your arms aren't together, anybody? No, just me, the chronic sweater? Okay. And I'm sitting there like this. Like I said, very, I'm starting to feel like fat guy in a little coat. And I'm watching him get the anesthesia and I can feel my blood pressure grow up. And I'm like, oh. And I'm angry a little bit because I prayed over his teeth for how long? We did, remember? This has been over a year. And, I'm, and I know, whatever, that's not a big deal to you people. That doesn't help, okay? Minimizing other people's hurts doesn't help. Suck it up, you'll get over it. Don't ever say that again. Don't. There's no such thing as suck it up and get over it. Start projecting that, and guess what? You want God to say that to you? Because he doesn't. But anyway, so I'm sitting there, and, like, I'm th and then the Bruce news comes. And Bruce is one of my favorite people on the planet. I've said this a million times, and I'll say it publicly. I don't want to do this, what I do, without him. He brought us together. He's my right-hand man. We pray together. Saturdays, he prays for me and my family. And I had another good night's sleep. Isn't that cool, right? And I hear that Bruce has got to go, and maybe, we don't know yet, because God's an 11th hour type of God. Well, every hour, but Bruce might have to have a cancer surgery. And that sucks, man. And so, my posture says it all, doesn't it? I said to Alex, he was crying. Uh, he, he's at the age where he's kind of starting to learn about suffering, right? That like James might, might have gotten hurt before, but now they're like aware of like, wait, this, I don't like being hurt. It's not fair I'm hurt. 
this is the presence of suffering, right? And you look at him and you're like, oh God, I would change everything to make that never be a thing. But I said to Alex, I quoted this pastor from Burlington up in Mosaic, and he said, um, he said, suffering is like a pressure that's on top of us. And he said, but the thing is, the pressure's there and it's going to be there, but what you can determine, and really this will determine our lives, is which way do we lean as we're being pressed down? And he made the point of like, we could lean into becoming our best selves or whatever. And I was like, shut up with that noise, Mr. Burlington, okay? We can either lean toward God as we're being pressed down, or we can lean away and lean toward bitterness. Don't those seem like our two choices? And can I tell you that this week I chose bitterness? Lord, I've laid hands on these children every day. I've spoke every promises of healing that you've said. And then you get the thought of like, I'm sure other dads aren't doing that. And you know what I mean? And I'm like, what is happening? And then I was like, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Boom, fever again. I'm like, ah. So I told Alex that. And God did speak. God did speak a nice word to me. And he said this. He told me that um, a little bit of pain now to save a lot of pain later is one thing he's taught me as a dad. And that's what I told Alex. Buddy, look, you got to get that tooth ripped out of your head. That stinks. It does, but no more infection, right? And I know it's like I'm looking over there and I see Chick, and it's like you're going to have to go through this short period of time to get all this extra period of time of good health. But then you know what I do because I'm this bad a person, I guess, is this. Well, I don't have to. You're God. Get it? You don't have, why don't you just heal it right now? Why the process? Why the struggle? Why the season? Why the rain? Why the storm? I get it. You're God. I'm not. What do you, what do you need from me? More surrender? Fine. Well, just take it away because I get it. Okay. All right. All right. I didn't think I was doing this today. <laughs> Brian, another audible. <laughs> I had thought I was going to talk about something else, but I got to there. So do you remember when Jesus goes to Mary and Martha because Lazarus is dunsky? He's dead. Daddy, dead, dead. And in fact, he had gone into decay which was a messianic miracle, by the way. Look into that. That's important. Go look at it. The fact that he stinketh isn't just there for laughs. That means he defeated decay. It's a Jewish tradition thing. Anyway, I got to get nerdy. You know that. I wouldn't make it through a message. But I'm going to say this. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to say this. Jesus walks up and says this. Well, he walks up. But Martha runs out and says, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. If you had been here, you wouldn't have died. Now, do you, you notice that Jesus purposefully does not come when he's sick. Remember this? He dallies. He tarries. He whatever King James word you want to use there. He chills out in another country area. And then after Lazarus has died, he shows up. Martha comes to him and says, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. But then she says something really important. But even so, we know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus says something along the lines of, I can't quote it to you, says something along the lines of, this is for your benefit that, I'm, that I did not come. It's for your benefit. Uh, the other sister comes out, weeps. Jesus at that time wept. Of course, the shortest phrase in the Bible, very important, goes to show that Jesus, even though he sees beyond the suffering, is still in it with us and it affects him. Do you get that? That's a big deal. I don't want to go over that. And then he says to her, he says, I am the resurrection... Er, um, she goes, even so, blah, blah, blah. He talks about, I am the resurrection and the life. And she says something along the lines of, I know he'll be resurrected on the last day. That's when he says, but I am the resurrection and the life. Do you get it? I know I did that in the wrong area. Let me break down to you what I heard God say to me in the suffering and what we talked about. Martha knew Jesus, the healer. Martha saw him do it all the time. It probably actually became old news. Lepers, blind people, death. 
But Martha did not know Jesus, the resurrector of dead things. And so sometimes in the suffering, sometimes in the hard times, it is for the greater benefit of understanding and having further intimacy with God that we endure the storms. Does that make sense? Now let me give you some perspective. Martha will spend eternity next to Jesus. And she will know through that experience, she now knows him better and more fully for the rest of eternity than she would have had she not walked that out. Does that make sense? Do you think, here's the thing. Why, Lyle, do we think he heaven when we die is like this finish line and then, well, I don't know, we just have this worship, this worship meeting for the next, <laughs> for eternity, right? Because it actually talks about the fact that we're going to have responsibilities in heaven. And you know what it alludes to? We're going to continue to grow in heaven and experience things and be conscious. Do you understand that? Everybody thinks you're just like, yes, we're done. So what are you going to do for the rest of the eternity? Oh, I don't know, but I'm done. I'm done cooking. No, you're not. No, you're not. You will continue, in my opinion, to be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus for the rest of eternity, drawing near to him. And again, it says, you've been faithful over little, you'll be faithful over much, and I'll put you in charge of There are rewards in heaven, and there's jobs to be done in heaven. Because guess what? Can you really have fulfillment without purpose? Ooh, let me rethink your eternity. Now, if you rethink your eternity, you'll also reshape your suffering. Am I right? It doesn't make it cool. I'm not saying that. And it doesn't make it okay. But maybe it helps me lean toward God and not lean toward bitterness if I can understand some of these things. There was one other thought I had there too. Okay, yeah, I can share this one. Sometimes, guys, the um, sometimes the burdens we bear, now listen to me on this, Someone's gonna, someone really needs this. Sometimes the burdens we bear have actually been entrusted to us. In other words, this is a word that kind of got spoken over Bruce inadvertently, sometimes the burdens we bear, now I don't want to speak for God, dude, this is a problem, but I know and I can see sometimes God trusts people with specific burdens that he knows they can carry in, in his strength to affect the people around them, right? And your grief, have you ever helped someone else out with grief? I didn't say God killed that person, but I did say he used your pain. How about a recovery from addiction or hope, or right? Chicks up there witnessing to people at the Hope Lodge. I'm not going to sit there and say Jesus did that, but he can use it. And he trusted you with it. You get it? He trusted you with it. So if we can reshape that, if we can rethink eternity in our relate, relating to God, then maybe we can reshape our suffering. One last thing I'll say about this, and then we're going to do something real quick and go, for real is this, we gotta be careful that our culture is not seeping into our Christianity. Because Jesus said to pick up your cross every day and follow him. And he said, when the storms come, right? And he said, what is it the one he says? Um, in this life there will be suffering. In this life there will be trouble. And if you look up that word in the Greek, it's soul-wrenching, gut-ripping, change who you are, pain. But fear not. I've overcome that and everything that wants to take you down and you're with me. 
So here's what we do, though. When the suffering comes, oh, this is so me. So I'm the most guilty person sitting here. When the suffering comes, the first thing I do is go, this isn't right. <laughs> right? This isn't right. And Jesus is going, who told you that? Because I said, in this life, there will be trouble. People are going to promise you stuff and lie to you. People are going to mistreat you. They're going to ignore you. And all the while, you're going to have the devil over there who acts as a cosmic amplifier who takes every little offense and goes, oh, you know she meant it. Why'd she say it like this? Right? You got all these things going on, and Jesus is going, listen, if you are waylaid and blindsided by these hardships, you're going to be stuck in a place of cognitive dissonance before you even fight the battle. Before you even fight the battle. I almost looked at Psalm 23 today, which again was ironic because Lao's here, and that's the first thing when we first met. I almost audible to that. That's how I knew Lao would be here. But um, when it talks about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death, I said it like a rapper, death. <laughs> Do you hear that, Chris? <laughs> even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what lots of people do, Jules? They go, how did I get here? Oh, no, this is terrible. And they lay down and they throw a fit. And here's the thing. It seems as though we're all going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that doesn't just mean the moment before you die, because I've been by lots of bedsides and lots of times when I've been pretty sure I didn't want to live anymore. That's my shadow of death. I had to say that to someone a, a little while ago, talking about some trauma and stuff. And There was a few days in my life where, you know, you're, you're putting someone in the ground or... For us, it was, uh, you know, losing children in the womb. And there was a couple of days where I looked at God and I was like, I'd be pretty cool not living here anymore, man. I, re I understand. I'm going to stop judging Elijah when he says, take my life. I get it. When I buried my father, I had no interest in living on this planet anymore. He was my best friend. That was the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm here to tell you today, man, that don't freak out when you find yourself there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through it. That means don't freak out, panic, and sprint in any direction. We've all done that, only to end up there again, and Jesus lovingly and patiently going, can we do this together now? Right? Amen? I want to give you something before we go. Let's do the be stills. First off, tell us what, well, show us the slide first, to let them know it's Bible. <laughs> oh, man. See that bottom part, Lyle? I wasn't even going to talk about that. <sighs> Let's frame this in our suffering. Let's just frame this in our suffering. So, in counseling marital couples, well, I don't care what relationship it is. Here's the thing. If you find yourself in a season of, of hardship, the first thing you do is you push pause. I'm not going to look around because some of you have heard me say that to you. That was session number one. The first thing you do is you put the car in neutral and you be still. This is God's prescription. And we're framing it in suffering, okay? We're framing it in the storm right now. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I'm going to touch that for a second and give you kind of a meditative way to do this. But I want to I do this before we do it. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. <laughs> Here's what I'm seeing, Ash, is this. You've got the part that's us and our own volition. But make no mistakes, two-thirds of that has nothing to do with you. Brenda once said, she won't mind because she said it publicly. Brenda once was a little angry at God or upset. And that's okay. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Just watch your respect and your tone, right, Bruce? <laughs> yeah, you'll get that. 
Um, and that's it, God, I'm done, right? Remember? <laughs> Brenda, <laughs> the mama of the group. She's, that's it, God, I'm done. I'm sick of it, I'm fed up. And God, ever so gently but firmly, that kind of voice of rushing waters, says, says to her, he goes, where are you going to go? <laughs> right? With the understanding of like, what else is there? Where are you going to go? Here's what I mean. Look at it again. Be still. Here's your part of it all. But understand this, Jules. Whether you sit down, throw a tantrum, and stay in that place of cognitive dissonance or not, I will be. Right? Those are the wings on the plane, man. I'm crying, and I'm, and I'm trying to praise you in the storm and lift my hands. But you know what? Your train's going to keep on a rolling with or without me. Right? Come on. There's solace in this. Get this for me. Elijah, I, I referenced him earlier. Elijah sits down and goes, I want to die, Lord. Which, again, I'm not judging him anymore for that. He goes, I'm the last one. They've killed all the other ones. And God goes, I have hundreds of you hidden in a cave. You're not, you might be plan A, Elijah, but you're not the only plan. Now, you know what that should do for you? It should give you the same security you got. Way more. Remember when you got that job and you were signing the, uh, the, insur the uh, tax forms and you realized that no matter how the business did, you're going to get a paycheck every week? Chris, remember this? No more waiting tables and you're, the check's going to be there. You get it? With or without you? And you're, do you understand what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. Lala, I'm not being clear because I'm not prepared. Is there is security in understanding that even in your pain, God's plan, God's will is marching forward. And the thing is, the bus is not going to crash. Nothing. Get it? And it puts your eyes where they need to be, which is on him. That is a wonderfully balanced psalm right here. And what's funny is, if you read the psalms, you'll always see this. David rips his chest open, pours out his guts to God. Where are you, God? How long will my enemies? Blah, 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 blah. But boy, you are good. And you'll be exalted. You ever notice that? He ends in the same spot all the time. Eyes on the problem, eyes on the problem, eyes on the problem, eyes on the Lord. Oh, you are good. And the bus is still rolling. And that's supposed to be comforting. Do we find that comforting, people? I like the structure of this. His truth is marching on. Isn't that cool? I just thought of that. That's a nice little song. Now, if you could start me off on my first slide. Let's hit it and quit it. It's a nice day outside. I want to give you something just as a personal person-to-person -to -person tool. I feel like you don't need to get everything from Oprah and Dr. Phil. Whether we're suffering, whether we're struggling with anxiety, whether we're parenting children when we feel overwhelmed, whether we feel bored and it says all that there's left and God, I'm dissatisfied, God has given us a prescription and it's right here. And I'm going to give me five minutes and we'll do this. This is also a wonderful meditative thing to do. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Oftentimes when I feel overwhelmed and I remember this, this is what I do. I... I take quiet time, which is meditating, and I say to myself, I say, be still and know that I am God, and I think about that, and I just think about it. I, I exchange my thought time for the problems or the kids or the sickness or whatever, and I say, God, you said be still and know that I am God, and I ponder all that that means, and all the words and all the books and all the languages on the planet cannot hold the information that is in this. Be still and know that I am God, because God, what? What can that mean? What do I know you to be? I think of the I am statements. I am 
the resurrection and the life. I'm the bread of life. I am the shepherd. I think of all those. I think of the different names of God. I think of Jehovah Jireh. I think of Yahweh. I think of Elohim. I think of Jesus speaking through the burning bush and saying, Ikhyak, Asher Ikhyak. And all of a sudden, my mind and every cell in my body is full of the knowledge of God. Right? It pours into me. And Holy Spirit, as I'm doing this, be still and know that I am God. It also speaks of this. Stop and rest and know that I'm capable. There's so much in this one phrase. And again, he didn't say please. He's telling you, in the midst of your chaos, you be the still point in a madly spinning world. That's tweetable, Lisa. The love of all that is holy. You be the still point in a madly spinning world. Next one. And then you just take off one word. Be still and know that I am. And you sit by the tree. That's what I would do. And I meditate on this and I say, be still and know that I am God. And I let those thoughts fill me. And then I say, be still and know that I am. You are what? What is he? He's all things, right? I am. I mean, why do you think he chose to say, I am, I am that which I am. I am the eternal God. Whatever it was out of the burning bush. Because you could pretty much put anything in there that is good, right, and best at the end of the sentence. I am strong. I am courageous. I am love. I am faithful. I am kind. I am merciful. All these things. And you allow Holy Spirit to speak in you and be still and know that I am. I don't want to pick on Ashley, but let's say Ashley's sitting here and she's doing this exercise. You know what Holy Spirit's probably going to ask her? What is it you need me to be right now? Well, I need you to be still and know that I am that. Right? Are you getting me, people? This is supposed to be a useful tool. It's both, it engages, listen, your three parts, we've talked about this before, your spirit, your mind, and your body. There are times when you will need healing in one of these. You may need to go see a psychotherapist for your mind. You may need to do something, Bruce, unfortunately, it might have to go work on the body. I don't know. And there are times when you won't get a healing from anywhere else besides the powerful man inside the spirit. But sometimes the two of them can work together and this is that. Your spirit and your mind are going to come together and agree on these things. Be still and know that I am faithful. That was me yesterday. Was I in the motorcycle? No, I was in the truck. And I was singing, you are faithful, God, you are faithful. Even though you did not heal these kids, and you haven't healed Bruce. But that's what we need from you to be. We need you to be that. And God says this, be still and know that I am faithful. Right? You getting me? What is it we need him to be? And we need to understand that he's everything we need him to be. But in this moment, we allow it to become personal. Next. Go back to one. I'm sorry. Just up. I just, I caught a thought of Elizabeth. We have a miracle child in our midst. But do you know that for eight years? Be still and know that I am, Brittany and Brian. Be still and know that I'm God. I'm the God of fertility, obviously. I am the God above all doctors. Be still and know that I am what? Faithful. Faithful to the end and I am good. I'm not going to withhold your heart's desires. And last week she was born. But let me tell you, how helpful would that have been to have something to go to? Something practical that we would see Jesus do if he were here, wouldn't we? Lyle, he often retreated to lonely places to pray and meditate on God, right? We don't know what that is in our culture anymore, so I'm trying to help. Be still and know that I am what? In this case, he is faithful, and he's also really good at making cute kids. Have you seen the pictures? <laughs> Next slide, please. Let's get out of here. Be still and know. Only in being still will you become to know. 
And here's the thing about the journey of following Christ Jesus. It's often going to go from here to here. You ever hear the saying, I know that I know that I know? I first thought that was really weird. People are like, I know that I know that I know. I'm like, eh, you're just being Christianese dramatic. No, but now I get it, where in being still and in meditating, something inside of me happens that's beyond my cognitions. Does that make sense? Ashley gets me. Good deal. Where we just know. We know. And everything around surrounding God. Now, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Next is be still. Let me tell you, by the time you get here in your meditation, you'll probably be at resting pulse, and your problems will have gotten the size they're supposed to be, and your God will have gotten more the size he's supposed to be. Just be still. And I want to give you one thought about this that I think is very important. The world is spinning madly on, and your children are growing up so flipping fast, and your grandchildren, aren't they? Do you know what the best medicine you can take right now to suck every bit of positivity out of your life is to slow down and be still, right? I had a thought the other day too, Lyle. You ready for this? This is one of those harsh truths that I'm ever so good at giving. <laughs> As someone who, okay, forget, forget me for a second. Okay. Jesus, Jesus says broad is the way that leads to destruction. Destruction of life, destruction of relationships, destruction of spirits, the whole nine. Narrow is the way that leads to life, correct? And very few find it, right? So sometimes I sit there disillusioned as to why the people around me are acting the way they're acting, or why the church is empty, or why whatever. And I realize if the masses are probably not going to turn and start making right decisions. Now, that's gloom and doom, but you need that. You need to get that. Jesus is not a liar. But do you know what happens in the three parables that precede the prodigal son? I've covered those before. Lost coin, lost sheep, lost something else. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when, listen to me, what happens when they find the coin, the sheep, and the son returns? There's rejoicing. And you know what I'm getting out of this? Listen, listen, this is the part where the clouds part and the sun comes in. Here's what I realize. I'm so busy looking at the hardships of my life sometimes and the fact that very few people are finding it and very few things are going the way I think they should go that I'm not doing what Jesus told me to do and modeled in front of me, which is this. You rejoice over the good things in your life. You rejoice over the people who are moving toward Christ. You rejoice over the fact that you have a body of believers you can come to every Sunday who love you and hold you up. You rejoice that you live in the United States of America. We won't get killed for doing it at this time. There may come a time. We don't know. You get it? But I'm so, how many times? You know what I'm saying? We end up in a posture where we're, we're singing the same song over and over again. That morning, the lamentation in the dirge. And Jesus just said this. When you see me move in your life, dance a jig and change the tune. When you see me move in your life, dance a jig and change the tune. Right? I see Marty smiling. That's a smile through, through one of the hardest seasons she's been through. And you know that that joy inside of us is a gift that gets us through these things. And you know how we get it? That's the whole point I'm making. Here's the finish line. By slowing down and being still. Right? By slowing down and being still. And the final one, thanks, Brian, is this. Be. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am be still, be.
You are not what you do, and you are not what's been done to you. You are not what you're going to do. You are not your struggles, right? You are not what your future plans are. You are not your sin. You are not your righteousness. You are a beloved child of the Most High God who will exist beyond time. So you know what you should do in that? Just be. Just be. And the thing about just being, I wanted to quote Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Does anybody remember Jonathan Livingston Siegel? Fantastic album, isn't it? One gift mom gave me, the little hippie inside of her, she said, put your headphones on, listen to that album. And just listen to the whole album. And for, tune out, young people. I don't even care about you right now. What you know about Neil Diamond? <laughs> One of the greatest singers in human history. There's a song in it where he sings about being, doesn't he? And I love that, just being and, and this whole story. But here's what I want to teach you, and then we're going to sing. You don't just be. That's what the world will tell you where you find inner peace. You arrive at being after all those other steps. Do you get it? You don't just be. So if you try to, I'm going to meditate and I'm just going to get peace. No, you're not. You have to start with, be still and know that I am God. You get it? It starts and ends with him. That's why there's lots of people out there doing yoga and all these other things looking for inner peace. It's nowhere to be found, people. Lyle, you get me? But you know where you can find it? In the Lord God through Jesus Christ and what he's done. And then he will allow you to arrive there and walk you there hand in hand. Get it? I think that's better than I think it is. Let's, uh, what do we have for, we've got like three options, don't I? How about you never let go? You want to, let's do that song?